Welcome to Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalist John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hey everyone, I'm John Schaust. Hey, and I'm Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode number eight, the goldfinches of summer. Man, they are some of the most beautiful birds in our backyard during the summertime. But they're also some of our most finicky finches and really a late nester in the summer. We're going to tell you why. Hey, we're also going to discuss goldfinches. We have a few of them. Where do their names come from? Also, what are the best foods to put out and what happens when you do? But there's also a secret food that kind of bucks the conventional wisdom of putting out to attract the goldfinches. Plus, we also have a fun activity that you can do with the kids or the grandkids. Yeah, we're going to share a really cool tool to help you enhance those habitats in your backyard to attract these beautiful birds. Yeah, so stick around for the fun. Well, hey, Brian, welcome back. We we kind of been on a little hiatus the uh, month of July. Uh, had a, had a little something take our attention away from the podcast. For yeah, a few just weeks. a little something. So it's really great to be back. But yeah, we had a bit of focus uh, with all of our Wild Birds Unlimited stores. We have our little thing called the Enterprise Leadership Conference, that annual conference where we get all our stores together. But this year was a little different, right, John? Oh, why? <laughs> a little <laughs> pandemic scenario and everything having to go virtual. So we went virtual for over 300 stores. So we were a little busy getting and, and, all sorts of videos together. Yeah, and Evan, the guy that's behind the curtain on this podcast that does all the production for us and everything, he was super busy doing all the production for all the virtual conference materials and, and presentations. So we were all kind of tied up. So we're thrilled to be back, and we will keep this as consistent as possible in regards to scheduling in the future. So yeah, let's thank get you talking for, birds. Thanks, thanks for everybody <laughs> for coming back and joining us again. So let's talk some birds. Let's talk goldfinches. Yeah. I mean, truly, truly, it's the payoff. It is the payoff for summer bird feeding. These beautiful birds are bright yellow and black and and uh, just so cheery. They always, always seem to be chirping and chattering. Uh, just very, very cool to have in your, your backyard in the summertime. Oh, yeah. And goldfinches all around, U.S. and Canada and here in all sorts of nicknames I've heard from different goldfinches. People calling them wild canaries or yellow finches or even thistle birds. There's actually one that used to, even in bird books, be called the Arkansas goldfinch. So kind of interesting stuff. So John, let's talk about the the different goldfinches we have. Yeah, probably probably the most common. There are three species and, and probably the most common that you know most people are familiar with is our beautiful American goldfinch, jet black on the on the you know wings and and beautiful bright yellow this time of year, you know, on the body and that type of thing. So uh, American goldfinch, why is it called the goldfinch? The American goldfinch? It's one of those things that probably no one really knows for sure. It lives in America, right? Yeah, the speculation is that when (laughs) folks came here from Europe, there is a European goldfinch. Uh, not quite the same coloration, but very, very close and very, very familiar. So my guess is when they saw our goldfinch, our American goldfinch, it just became the natural as a no longer European. It's the American goldfinch. That's yeah. the speculation. Sounds like a good story to me. 
Yeah, interestingly, that the European goldfinch actually looks a lot like our Lawrence's goldfinch. Uh, there's a lot of similarity. So maybe they didn't see the Lawrence's first since most of the, the naturalists moved from the East Coast towards the West Coast as they were looking for and identifying birds and species and trying to figure them out and ID, ID them and give them names. Uh, but interesting that Lawrence's goldfinch, how does, how does someone get named? How does a bird get named after somebody? Oh, well, that was an interesting one. So the naturalist, Mr. Casson, found the Lawrence's goldfinch, was working with him, and decided uh, he's, he'll name it after a colleague of his, George Lawrence, who was a New York businessman and ornithologist. So it's nice to have friends in high places, right, John? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get a bird named after you. And then there's, there, there's the goldfinch with the, the, the complex. It's the lesser goldfinch. <laughs> lesser than what? I know, Brian, my gosh. You know, if you look at the, the three different goldfinches and, and, and you know, if you, if you could hold them side by side, there's not visually that much difference. Now, yeah, the American goldfinch is, is definitely a, the, the larger of the three without question. But interesting fact is when you do measurements like banding, we take the size of the, the body, we weigh, we measure the wings, and there's variety, there's overlap. And in these three birds actually at about 11 centimeters and at about 11 grams actually overlap. Now the goldfinch range goes up to 20 grams and the lesser goes down to eight. So obviously you can see a lot of difference, but the lesser and the, the Lawrence's are pretty close together. There's not a whole lot of difference. So I guess technically, and you know, in general, they look a lot alike, but technically, yeah, I guess the lesser is the lesser. Well, and, and interestingly too, just in that North American side, they actually go, the lesser goldfinch range reaches even down through Mexico and into Central America, and they even touch into Northern South America. So, and that's not as broadly, they're not as widely found as the American goldfinch throughout geographically North America, but uh, too bad we weren't naming the birds, right, John? There you go. There you go. <laughs> but you know what? I don't care what they're named. I just care the fact that they're in my backyard, and especially the American goldfinches in my yeah. backyard and showing uh, just such a beautiful, beautiful show every time they show up at my feeders. And it's kind of interesting to me. They're, they're a very, very late summer. The American goldfinch is a very late summer. They're actually in the end of July, early August is when we see the, the majority of the nesting activity uh, with the American goldfinches. But that beautiful coloration, uh, they, they molt twice a year, which is unusual. Most birds That's just crazy. Molt. Yeah. yeah, most birds just molt after breeding and before winter or before their migration. And they'll do a complete molt. They'll, they'll molt their feathers, their flight feathers, their tail feathers, their body feathers, do a complete molt. So John, molting is really very interesting and a unique thing with the birds in, in many respects. But I know a lot of people in our mind are wondering, why do birds have to molt? Yeah, that's a really good question. I guess we should cover that, huh? So, <laughs> so the bottom line is, if a bird does not replace its feathers, eventually those feathers just simply wear out. Uh, you know, they have to replace them on a regular basis. Uh, they're, they're subject to damage. They get chips, breaks, et cetera, et cetera. They have to be able to grow new feathers to maintain their ability to fly well and also to provide insulation, uh, especially in, in cold weather. Uh, it, it's an interesting little note on our goldfinches when they molt because of the coloration difference that you see in the American goldfinch obviously do two different molts. They go from a full body molt, full, full molt, full everything, feathers, flight feathers, body in the fall after breeding and get that really drab plumage that carries them through the winter time and then come 
next year, they do just a body molt. It takes a huge amount of energy to do a molt. And so if you can get by with just limiting what you change out for your breeding colors, and in this case for the goldfinch, it's their body. They don't need to change their flight feathers or their tail feathers. So they do a body molt, which is really cool. Again, uh, I, I'm lucky enough to be able to do uh, bird banding studies for, for decades now. And one of the really cool things on goldfinches, even though they don't breed until August, they start molting in like Jan into January, 1st of February. And when I catch those birds late in, the, in January, early February, you can just start seeing the first black feathers in the crown and the first yellow feathers coming into their and shoulders on their wings. So it's, it's very cool. Um, yeah, and that's super neat to be able to see them. If you have them at your feeders in wintertime, then being able to see that color change happening over weeks and uh, just fascinating to watch. So if you can attract them into your backyard and watch that change happen, I always really enjoy seeing that happen. <laughs> you know one of the coolest things? The other thing to watch for in those American goldfinch is look at their legs and look at their bill. Oh, I forgot about that. They, yeah. The, yeah, in the wintertime. Crazy. They're grayish, they're drab. And they when they go into their breeding plumage, they become that kind of that orangey, uh, yellowish color. Yeah. Both the legs and the bill. It's really cool to see. I mean, yeah, they're not just changing their feathers. Those American goldfinches, like you said, changing out their bill and their leg colors. I know just a couple other birds do that, but wow, is that really fun. You know, the lesser goldfinch too will do some extra molting similar to the American goldfinch. And uh, that's fun to watch as well. It's, it's that similar concept um, and changing out all those different colors, mm -hmm. but really interesting the Lawrence's goldfinch likes to be different. Yeah, that's cool. Maybe Mr. Lawrence would like to be different too. I don't know <laughs> if he was Mr. Dapper Dan or something, but that Lawrence's goldfinch just, uh, I ran across something and someone said, well, you know, that Lawrence's goldfinch looks like he's wearing a tux and he's ready for this spectacular award ceremony. Whereas the American goldfinch or the lesser goldfinch, they look pretty sharp, but it's more like a dinner party. And I was like, you know, that's, that's not a bad way to look at it. But interestingly, that Lawrence's goldfinch, they only molt once a year. And originally there was confusion. They, when ornithologists were studying these birds, they thought they did molt twice a year. Well, now they're starting to find, actually, they molt once a year. And they'll be kind of drab for the wintertime because they'll molt in that, that late summer time, like a lot of our other songbirds. But over winter on the tips of their feathers, there's a, the, the edges of those tips get abraded. Big words, right, John? It starts to wear <laughs> off. <laughs> Basically, that's just the tips of the feathers start to wear off and it exposes come springtime that beautiful lemony yellow color on the breast and on the wings, the black in the face, just really gorgeous colorations. So a little different with the Lawrence's yeah, so that's a little bit about the coloration and the beauty, and it's why we want to have them in our yards when they're in their beautiful breeding plumage. But how do we get them in our yards? What's the best way to attract them? What's the best foods, the best feeders to bring them into your yard? One of the things that's very cool that's kind of changed over the years, the goldfinches, we talk about them being finicky. 
and, 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 you know, you can have 30 goldfinches in your yard, you know, at, at one time in the winter time and have them for weeks. And then a week later you have none. They, they really seem to move around. They're kind of, they're kind of nomadic in their own way. But the main thing that we draw them into Brian, that uh, I think was the historical thing was Niger. Uh, yeah. What everyone called thistle back in the yeah, day. Right. Yeah. And I go back again. We we always seem to get around to this at uh, some point in the show. <laughs> I, I go back a, a few years, and I remember, you know, working in my. I used to you know, work in nature centers around the Midwest, and and my first job back in the '80s at a nature center. You know, we had goldfinches, and the only show in town was Niger. That's yeah, the yeah. only thing. The only reason you bought that seed was your finches and your gold finches. And it was the only thing that would bring them to your feeders was niger seed. That has changed a little bit over the years. And, and uh, you know, there's other ways to draw them in and other foods that they seem to have gotten uh, uh, partial to. Yeah, it's amazing to watch that I've been feeding maybe not as long as you, John, but I was started off when it was just that thistle seed or what we call Niger now. It's still the same seed, just a different name. Um, and that transition to sunflower chips. Goldfinches love sunflower chips. And so much so now you can buy a finch blend that has Niger and sunflower chips together in it to fit into your feeders to keep attracting them. Um, really fascinating to watch that transition over the years. And something I know, John, you've always talked about is look at all of the native landscaping that we've been evolving to do in our backyards. But not only that, in all of these business areas and coneflower is one of those plants that's getting planted all over U.S. and Canada and goldfinches are all over that, too. So watching this transition of the goldfinches has been really fun um, when we talk about it, kind of that continent wide of what they're going for. Yeah, we you brought up a good point there, Brian, because we have we get this question a lot because people do I don't have as many goldfinches. You know, their population is actually very stable and they're doing very well. Mm -hmm. uh, but people say I don't have as many goldfinches and and again you touched on it. The fact that we have uh basically trained them to now use sunflower and, and chips, the the hold sunflower chips, they really, really go after those in a big way. And most of the good blends that are out there being fed in feeders across the country have now lots and lots of sunflower chips. So there's a lot of availability of that food for, for goldfinches. You're exactly right. The native landscaping, all the natural native plants, all the composites that are being put into black-eyed Susans and coneflowers and all those kind of things. So that's drawing them away from feeders now to the landscaping plus habitat improvement. You think of all the nature preserves that you know, I, I was talking about, you know, in the, in, in, and again, my, my span of career, we've gone here in Indiana from maybe 26, 27 nature preserves to well over 250. A lot of natural lands out there that have been restored. And, and uh, the other last point, you know, that, that spreads them out. There's a lot of us out there feeding the birds. I mean, there's just oh, a lot indeed. more people putting food out there. So all of these things combined has probably spread the population of goldfinch out a little bit more and made them a little less likely to be at your feeders in huge numbers like maybe they were you know, 20 or 30 years ago. 
Yeah, and it's great. I mean, it's it's pretty simple to to try to attract them too. Putting feeders in a tube style feeder that has very small holes because these seeds are tiny. But what's really cool about the the goldfinches is they have that conical bill that comes down to a sharp little point. It's kind of like using chopsticks to pull stuff out of a, a small hole. It's it's kind of neat. And so the goldfinches can work on that. And so having a tube feeder with the food in there or uh, what's called a finch sock, which is basically a, a fabric feeder that has uh, mesh holes in it. Uh, so that's pretty simple to do. But I mentioned that <clears throat> because my favorite feeder, John, here's that secret <laughs> what, food I was talking about. Which, which feeder is that? Oh, oh yes, mm. the dinner bell. <laughs> <laughs> so versatile. Um, so when we started feeding uh, bark butter, we came out with that peanut butter suet based bark butter product. And we were testing it out to see all these different birds that were coming to it. Um, someone in the office said, oh yeah, I have goldfinches eating out on that all the time. We're like, wait, time out. Goldfinches are eating a suet-based product. Goldfinches are predominantly, we're, I mean, we're talking like 99% vegetarian. And most, most scientists believe whenever they've found goldfinches eating insects, that it was just because they might've been in the way. <laughs> and uh, we were starting to see that Maybe every once in a while, yeah. they'll glean insects off of a plant. Well, I'm talking like teeny tiny, like aphid size yeah. kinds of yeah. insects. But um, this, this coworker was crumbling bark butter in a dinner bell feeder. And the goldfinches were coming and eating it because it was tiny little bite size for them. So it was like bucking the trend of this vegetarian bird now eating this uh, suet-based product. So pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. That's cool. You, you mentioned that aphid. Somebody just sent us some photos recently of, of a goldfinch, a series of photos of a goldfinch working a, a plant stem that had a bunch of aphids on it and was obviously eating them. It was very cool to yeah. see that that's not common wisdom, if you will, in regards to uh, goldfinches. So that's kind of a, a neat, neat uh, thing to see. You know, so, John, yeah. we always tell everyone, birds don't read our books. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> they, they did not read the book. And one last thing we'd be remiss in, in not throwing into the mix, uh, since they are vegetarian, since most of their diet is plant fiber and plant-based, oh, yeah. they need water. They water, actually, water, water. Um, the, the lesser goldfinch will actually hang around areas when water is scarce and, and dry seasons and that type of thing. They will actually, that's a huge component of their, their uh, territory at that time of the year when they're feeding because they have to have the water. So if there's no water and uh, in, in, in much of their breeding territory they're going to be really tight to places that do have water so that's kind of a cool thing so in our backyards definitely having a, some type of a fountain or water feature or bird bath uh, set out there is another way to get uh, goldfinches to come to your backyard yeah for sure and they love bathing in it so if you get a good sloped bird bath to allow them to walk into the water get to that depth they want and then it's just fun to watch them dip their head and shake that water all over their, their bodies. <laughs> I mean, it's, hey, we, we track them to our yards for the fun I, and we get to enjoy I it, right? I wish this was not just an audio podcast. <laughs> I was kind of imitating watching, it, wasn't I? I'm sitting here watching Brian on our Zoom feed and he's doing all kinds of gyrations. It's pretty funny to see. Folks, you'll just have to hang in there until someday maybe we'll have it on, on, on video too. Uh, it would be worth it. 
So, yeah. So anyway, one of the things we talked about too is these guys, American goldfinches uh, especially, are very late nesters. They're one of our last, uh, truly one of our last birds to nest in, in any given breeding season. And, you know, it's really mid-July to mid-August, and, and it's that time of the year that you start getting the youngsters coming out of the nest, and that's when it gets to be a party. Oh, that's <laughs> so much fun. Feed me, feed me, feed yeah, me, feed yeah. me. Yeah, they have a real nasty habit, if you will. It's, it's, it's fun, though. <laughs> but if I was the adult, I'd probably be a little annoyed. They, the youngsters chase the parents around relentlessly for probably two, maybe even three weeks mm -hmm. after they yeah, come out yeah. of the nest. And they are just chattering the whole time. And Brian and I make fun of it, but it really does to us sound like they're saying, feed me, feed me. Yeah, and just like just, that. <laughs> and you'll hear it if if you if you look out for it now. If you understand that behavior now, that, that you know you'll realize and recognize it because it is just it is amazing, and it truly gets to be actually kind of annoying for me when I'm walking around there working, spending the whole day out in my yard working on the yard or something. Oh, gee, John, does that mean you have too many goldfinches around your yard? <laughs> it's a shame, isn't it? You it's, should send some over here. <laughs> it's a tough life, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, take a take a listen for that. Oh yeah. Yeah, we talked about like in uh, back in episode five about um, youngsters and listening for them and what to look for. And that feed me is that's just one of those classics and the chasing and they chase the parents, too. So, yeah. 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 Pay attention. It's really cool, too. Um, you know, those American goldfinches waiting so long to nest they are waiting for all the thistle downs and like the milkweed downs um, to be available. And in a lot of the eastern part of U.S., Canada, that's when it's ready, that July time frame. But lesser goldfinches do a yeah. similar thing. But in their territories, from that central to, to west, um, those kinds of thistle downs and plants, um, they're coming ready. And it could be early spring or it could be late spring into the beginning of summer. It just depends on what the weather's doing and how dry it's been. So it's really fascinating to see how these birds are paying attention to what's, go what's growing out there. And, and that's why having these great native plantings in your yard actually helps draw them in and you can watch these life cycles. Yeah, you know, we, we have thrown the word out there finicky a couple of times. Mm -hmm. You know what it really is? They're adaptable. They're adaptable. They're it's able a great to word. change their behavior based on the environmental conditions, the food availability, et cetera, et cetera. They're just adaptable. And just because they're not following the exact same behavior every single time <laughs> right. actually doesn't mean that they're finicky. It means that they're adapting to their surroundings and their environment, which is very, very cool. Yeah. And if you've got Lawrence's goldfinches where you live, which is mostly just California in the foothills, um, <laughs> but they are probably what most people would, we might say they're the most adaptable. A lot of people say they're super finicky because they might nest in your yard this year and be eating lots of food. Next year, they're gone. And it's nothing you did. They're just yeah. that nomadic looking yeah. for food sources, looking for water sources. So there you go. Beautiful goldfinches. Finicky, but fun. Absolutely finicky, but fun. All right. So Brian, I understand that you have some really cool activities for the kids and for helping with habitat in the backyard. Yeah, John, to do, yeah, let's get the kids involved and have a fun activity. Wanted to bring both together the kids' activity and helping to develop that habitat like you're talking about. And uh, it can be really fun. You want to bring those goldfinches in, having the right kinds of plants native in your yard, besides having bird feeders. It's having that multiple uh, scenario plus a bird bath 
is going to be fantastic. Really easy to bring them in that way and hold on to them. So fun thing you can do, plant some native seeds. Um, right now, a lot of the native plants are going to seed, as we've already talked about, um, at least for American goldfinches. Uh, you get out west, some of those are already have gone to seed, maybe already dropped off the plants. Maybe you can find it at a local, um, a local store and local nursery. But take a little paper towel roll, maybe cut it in half, um, or take some newspaper and make a cup and fill it with some soil and put the seeds in there and keep it moist and watch them grow inside and try to put it by a window so they can get that sun and start growing. And when they're ready, transplant them outside into the yard. Really fun to watch these little seeds grow. Um, some really great plants that are fun to plant that are gonna be great attractants for the goldfinches. Different native sunflowers. Everyone thinks about the big giant sunflower, maybe eat those sunflower seeds, you go to the ball game or something. But we have smaller native sunflowers that work in different habitats across the US and Canada. There are native thistles. Uh, and then we also have coneflowers. Some of the other favorites are like canary grass, or some ones I like, pigweed or drop seed. <laughs> You think, oh, it's got weed in the name. Actually, some of these birds love it. Um, uh, little hint too, the Lawrence's goldfinch, one of their favorites and some research is saying, if you have fiddle neck plants, they're starting to think that the fiddle neck plants are one of those things that the Lawrence's goldfinches are so nomadically running around looking for, for nesting time as well as for winter time. So the National Wildlife Federation and we're partnering with them this year and next year with the Certified Wildlife Habitat Program. They have a great local plant finder. So you can type in your zip code at the National Wildlife Federation's Native Plant Finder. It'll give you all sorts of plants and help you to determine exactly what are native to your area. And uh, yeah, go look those up, see what you can plant, have some fun. <laughs> you mentioned weeds, Brian. You know, what? What's a weed to us may not obviously be a weed to a bird. <laughs> it, it reminded me years ago of the old saying, that, you, know, you know what a weed is. What's a weed, John? <laughs> a weed is simply a wildflower in need of a really good PR agent. <laughs> <laughs> That's better than what I always say. <laughs> I like All right. It. Well, I like on that it. note, I think it's time to wrap <laughs> this up and call it a day. So we hope everybody had as much fun as we did. And believe me, on behalf of all of us here at Wild Birds Unlimited, we thank you for joining us on our Nature Center podcast about goldfinches. And uh, plan to join us next time. We're hoping to talk about backyard habitat certification. But as always, we will let nature be our guide. Take care and be safe. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nature Centered. To subscribe to this podcast, for show notes, or to connect with the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com podcast. Until we meet again, take some time to relax, enjoy the birds, get out in your backyard, and stay nature-centered. <laughs>